like I think in the back of my head, I've always wanted to do Filipino food. I, I think in my head was kind of like, I'm going to get all the experience that I can get and then uh, apply the experience with Filipino food. Today for the Dirty Linen Summer Series Chat, we are talking to Ross Magnay. One of the things that has really struck me through the pandemic has been, while we can't travel, we can still travel with food. And I guess I've used it as an opportunity to school myself up in some cuisines that I admit I've been pretty ignorant about. And one of those is Filipino cuisine. I think it's really crazy that in Australia, Filipino cuisine doesn't uh, have more prominence. Um, Filipino people are the fifth largest migrant group here. And there's so much exciting stuff to learn and to eat. And I'm really thrilled to have Ross along to school us up a little bit. Morning, Ross. Morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, a bit hungover, to be honest, but feeling good, feeling good. <laughs> it's that time of year, isn't it? Yeah. Can happen, can happen. We can all get a little bit shabby. It's like a party every night, so. That's yeah. it. Just enjoying it. Uh, so... Yeah, it's definitely been a feature of my year is to learn a little bit more about uh, about Filipino food. Uh, tell us a, tell us about your heritage and, um, yeah, the place that Filipino food has in your life. Well, I mean, I grew up overseas um, and I came to Australia, I think, when I was like 13 or 14. Um, obviously, Filipino food's always been a massive part of my life. Like growing up, my grandma, my grandma in, um, in both sides of the family, um, are actually really, really good, good cooks. Um, my mum's side is more Spanish-influenced, right? Spanish-influenced. Yep. So there's a lot of, like, paella, calios, and stuff like that. Um, like, really, really delicious Spanish stuff. And my, my dad's side is more, like, really traditional, like, Ilocano, which is, like, um, a part in the Philippines called Ilocos. So, like, really, really, um, like, really traditional, like, Ilocano stuff, like um, pinakbet and stuff like that. So, um been very blessed to um to enjoy the foods like when I was growing up so best of both worlds to be honest yeah Um, right yeah it's such a I mean you know even to say Filipino food is a bit of an oversimplification because there's I think something like uh more than 7,000 islands in the Philippines Mm -hmm. and yeah 2,000 of them are inhabited and I mean, I guess even when you just think about that geography, it's going to be so much variation in what people eat in different parts of the country. And when you've got that history of the um, the colonial Spanish history, yeah, I think they were there for 300 years or so, then that's going to be a massive influence as well, as as you've said, in you know, in your family. Yeah. Um, is that something that, did you grow up sort of, I mean, did you just grow up eating whatever was put in front of you or was that sort of history and that, that heritage and that difference part of the things that you were told about as well? Well, yeah, it was funny because, like, I was asking my mum, actually, because um, I was asking her about me being a kid. She said, like, I love to eat. So whatever was put in front of me, I would eat, you know. I'm not one of those kids that you have to, like, chase around and, like, hey, come and eat. Nah, if dinner was <laughs> ready, I'll be the first in the table, she said. Um, so in saying that, I mean, like, yeah, a lot of influences like with Spain, um, actually with pre-Hispanic era in the Philippines, um, the only food preparation done was like, we're boiling, steaming and roasting, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the first, like, this is like way, 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 way back. Um, like Austronesians from like Southern China and Taiwan actually were the first one to um, settle in the Philippines. So that's how they introduced like rice cultivation and other like farming practices okay Um, yeah and obviously with that there's like the spice trade um like 
like places like India also have uh, have uh, influence like uh, um, what else is there Arab influence as well the Chinese mm. there's a lot of Chinese influence that's how like dishes like lumpia and stuff like that it's a lot of like pancit noodles because of the influence of the Chinese yeah and obviously with Spain is like the really really big one mm. uh, as you said like more than 300 years so I think one of the things I found really interesting when talking to Filipino people about food is that often a dish is described by the method that you that is used to cook it rather than an ingredient. So even as you just said, they're boiling, steaming. It's like the the cooking method is almost like the base of the dish, isn't it? And then the ingredients can be varied quite a lot. Yeah, exactly. So like for example, dishes like like a two like two good examples would be adobo, for example, right? Yeah, like adobo is like very Hispanic. So adobo means like cooking soy or vinegar to cure, kind of. Um, in saying that, like adobo has like every, as you, as you've said, there's like seven thousand one hundred islands. So every city you would go to would have a different interpretation of adobo, right? Like this place would have it with no soy. This place would have it with none of that. It could be dry. It could be wet, right? Um, and again, yeah, the ingredients vary from like squid, pork can do chicken and it depends where you are because like i think it's like 11 percent of the philippines is muslim so when you go to the south there's a lot of muslims so they don't eat pork right so mm-hmm. um adobo would be chicken for example right um and let's let another cooking method or a dish would be kinilao which is super popular basically it's a ceviche um so again kinilao means to cure so it's like the the name of the dish is a cooking method you know yeah your fish and stuff like that so uh, yeah it's really interesting and an, another thing that's really struck me is the place of vinegar or sour notes to the cuisine can you talk about that well i think because pre again pre like hispanic um times i think because they use a lot of vinegar to preserve food because obviously in the old days there's no fridges no freezers and stuff like that um and obviously the abundance of like coconut you know because like the abundance of coconut and the abundance of like uh what do you call it palm vinegar mm-hmm. palm tree palm tree you know yeah um basically they can, they can do vinegar with anything there's a new product actually coming out it's like a cashew nut vinegar which i haven't tried which is super super i'm super excited to try so basically they make a vinegar out of cashew nut oh wow yeah which is super interesting right and even people here are very like if you if you go to health food stores you can see coconut vinegar and stuff but um you'd be surprised if like a lot of people haven't tried it so i'm like yeah this is one of those things that i really really want to push with the food just like mm. simple stuff basic ingredients like coconut vinegar that's it you know and they just do that in a dish i'm super excited about stuff like that yeah that's so interesting so what are some of the ways that vinegar gets used in dishes as i mean you mentioned that it's used to preserve but what kinds of ways would you use it in in something that you're cooking um, it would be, yes, again, adobo would get vinegar. Um, like super, super traditional adobo because adobo is like, it's a chicken stew. I think it's the most famous chicken, I mean, uh, Philippine dish in the world by far. Um, so it's basically super simple. It's vinegar, soy, and garlic, right? But in the old days, they didn't really put soy in it, but depending again, which area you're from. So basically, yeah, like with the stews and stuff, vinegar, Um to cure stuff like with the quinoa and stuff for the dressings, vinegar, um, even some desserts that has vinegar in it. Mm. Um, but in that, before it gets to vinegar, 
um, people actually like, if you get coconut overseas, you drink the fresh coconut and they make alcohol out of uh, coconut. It's called tuba. Right. Yeah. So it's like, it's basically like, like making wine with grapes, you know, but they use coconut. Okay. Um, and then another in- influence on Filipino cuisine is is the United States, right? Because there was yeah. a lot of, I guess, in more modern times, there was a lot of American soldiers there. Like, how has yeah. how has that um, influenced the cuisine? Well, I mean, with that, it's like if you go to the Philippines, it's very Americanized, you know. So it's like a lot of like fast food chains, and like people love hot dogs, you know, burgers, fried chicken. Um. And even like stuff like, obviously like everyday stuff like, like spam. That's American, you know, corned mm-hmm. beef, instant coffee, like evaporated milk, like stuff like that. I think really, really, really influenced it in a massive way. Um, and it's really like it's a funny one because, um, um, what do you call it? Like some people don't like it because like they don't want America to be there, but some people love it. This and that, you know, but. In saying that, like it's actually influenced in a lot of ways, like different cuisines. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah, I guess that's the same in lots of countries, isn't it? Yeah. People have mixed feelings about the American influence, so ubiquitous. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So when you came to Australia, like, what did you think about the food that was around? Well, it was it was pretty new. Well, the the biggest the biggest thing was kind of like the servings, right? The servings are massive. Um. With like, because obviously we grew up in the no- I grew up in the northern suburbs, and like, with well, at home we were still eating Filipino food. But then when we first came, I remember like we were eating a lot of like meat pies and sausage rolls and like <laughs> chips just to like kind of get a feel for what it is, right? And then I was like, yeah, this is amazing. But obviously, you're always gonna come back to what you've eaten when you're young, right? Mm. And I'm pretty I've been yeah been pretty blessed that my parents can cook well, so. Yeah, pretty happy. So what was what was your pathway to becoming a chef? Well, I, because my grandma owned a restaurant overseas. So basically, like, growing up, I'm, like, been really, really passionate about food. Um, and in my, it's always been in the back of my head, like, I want to do something with food. Um, at the start, I wanted to be a journalist. <laughs> but then, but I, did, I didn't follow that path. So I think I was 16, 17, I was, like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. So I said, like, all right, let's go to cooking school. And then at the start, it was kind of like I was just doing it just for the sake of doing it. But then you get passionate about it, you know. You you, you see, you watch uh, YouTube videos, like cooking videos, and you read some books, and you just eat the food, and then you go to cooking school, and then you get inspired, and then you're just like, all right, this is what I want to do. So I've, I've, uh, I went to William Anglis Cooking School. Yeah. And... Then, from there, I think, like, since I started there, I think I just, like, emailed. What I said was, like, I want to be, like, one of the best. I said, I'm going to email everyone in Melbourne. I'm just going to be, like, hey, I'm going to come in. I want to work for free. I don't care, whatever. So, there were, like, a couple of places that I've staged for free. Like, um, it's just ages ago. And I, was, I went to Embrass when Nick Pollat was there. Oh, yeah. Um, like, this is, like, old, old days. And, like, I went to, I can't remember, Harry and Grace and Ray was there. Did a stage there. Um, I, I don't even know if they remember me if I bring it up. It's, I just staged around and like met heaps of people doing that, and then just like, yeah. And then I, I went to work a society back in the day, the Italian. Okay. And that was kind of my first proper kitchen job. So I think I stayed there for like a year, and then 
what else did I do? I opened up, helped open a couple of restaurants, and then I got a job. Um, what did I do? I can't even remember. Probably, yeah. <laughs> did I, you I, like, was, yeah. was it like, I mean, obviously none of the restaurants you've mentioned would have had any um, Filipino food on the menu yeah. or any of that, any of that influence. Yeah. Did it, did chefing feel like something that was taking you away from the food that you'd grown up with and, you know, the food that was really in your heart or did you sort of relish the opportunity to learn about other cuisines? Yeah, I, I think in my head was kind of like, I'm going to get all the experience that I can get and then do get the, and then uh, apply the experience with Filipino food. Like I think in the back of my head, I've always wanted to do Filipino food, but obviously when you start cooking, it's like, you know, you want to work with the best and you want to work at the best restaurants. Obviously they're going to, it's not going to be Filipino food, but I think like for me, it was kind of like just getting experience, learning all the techniques, um, meeting people, um, getting all the connections that I need. Um, but yeah, again, like just getting a good kind of get a good resume and then just applying that. And, mm. um, yeah. And now, so I think I've been super lucky cause like, well, I've been cooking for let's say 10 years now or 11 years. Um, and I think I've been lucky like, because I've been, I'm sure of what I want to do with food because I think a lot of chefs are like, you, you can cook for 20 years, but you're not really sure of like, the style of food that you want to do, you know, and like the, the kind of um, cuisine that you want to represent. But I think I've been like super, super blessed that I've like, I've, I'm confident with what I do and like, just, just do me really. And I just do the food that I want to, I just, I just cook the food that I love eating to be honest. That's it. So would you say that the food that you cook these days is, is it, the Filipino food that you've eaten as you know over the years or is it you know Ross's particular spin on Filipino food well yeah I mean like with that I think um because Filipino food is so broad you know it's so funny because like in the last four years I'm I've become this like poster kid for Filipino food but in my head I'm like man I'm, I'm just scratching the surface I only know maybe like two percent of it you know um and yeah like the food that I do it's just the food that what my family cooks, you know, it's just like, I don't know other dishes to be honest. There are a lot of dishes that I don't know. So yeah, mm. like, like for example, adobo, um, I love cooking that because it's stuff that I love eating, but if I apply it in a restaurant, it'd be, again, it depends on what the, the setting is. It depends on what kind of event it is or what kind of restaurant I'm cooking at. And I kind of like do a spin, a little bit of spin to it just to make it more, you know, suitable. But, but the core values there, like the, you know, I don't change anything with flavor and stuff. It's just kind of give it a bit of a tweak, I guess. Mm. And why do you reckon it is that Filipino food hasn't had much of a presence in Australia? Is it that it, you know, like, why is that? Well, I think, like, not, there's, yeah, as you said, it's like there's a lot of Filipino people here. Um, but I think it's just people actually doing it and opening up restaurants and stuff like that. And I think, like, Sometimes in my head, it gets a bad rep because like, you know, because for example, I know people that go on holidays overseas and they say the food's bad and this, like that. Like, I understand that if, like, you know, there's a lot of bad food there too. Like, again, in like, in, in anywhere you go, you need to kind of know where to go, right? Mm -hmm. um, but even here, like, I've, I've tried some Filipino food here that's like, you know, mm, it's not that great, like this and that. Um, I guess you need someone to just like, like do it, like, open something and um, kind of, yeah, like you just do something really well, open something and, and yeah, make it work, I guess. Okay. So it's, let's 
so at the moment you're like between restaurants i guess you've had a, a you know everyone's had a pretty interesting year yeah, yeah. um but you so you were most recently at rice paper sister which yes. it, it, which you know you were able to bring a lot of filipino influences into the menu there yeah. weren't you but um but yeah that restaurant closed during the year and your plans to travel well, you know, a little bit of a spanner in the works with a bit of a global yeah, pandemic. Yeah. yeah. But if we look forward to what you're going to be doing um, in the years to come, like what kind of dishes do you think we will be eating in your restaurant? I'll definitely be doing like um, real Filipino food, you know, like the Filipino food that I love to cook, right? With, with I want to make it like really, like for everything Filipino from, I don't know, from the painting has to be like a Filipino artist, you know. Um, yeah, in my head, I've got it like in my head, but then I'm trying to like to, to make it a restaurant and make it not too cheesy in a way. <laughs> um, I reckon it's the biggest challenge, you know, like doing Filipino food with like, or for example, with like, I don't know, wines that I love to drink, you know, and yeah. then make that work um, and make it, it depend, it, again, it depends on the setting. It depends on where I'm at. Because obviously my plans were to go overseas, like go to Paris and stuff. And I was going to do like something Filipino there in a wine bar you know, and kind of um, see if that worked. That was my main goal, you know, so, which is still my main goal. Um, well, at the moment now, my plan is to go to Bulgaria to do this pop-up restaurant. Hopefully the vaccine uh, is out. I'll go there and then fingers crossed I can go to Paris and do my um, thing. But yeah, like, with a Filipino food that I love to cook would be like stuff that I'm doing now, to be honest, but just make it in a, make it my own. Yeah. yeah. So if someone wanted to try to, I guess, engage with Filipino food in their own kitchen, could you yeah. give us a, a dish that we could try to make at home? Um. Well, I think the most basic one you could try is adobo because A, it's delicious and B, it's easy to do <laughs> and C, it lasts long, you know. Yeah. Um, so basically, adobo is like um, you can do chicken or pork. Let's say let's say you do chicken. Um, so basically, you just like saute some garlic, brown some garlic, put the chicken in. Um, and I think like let's say you do a cup of vinegar, so like six hundred grams of chicken, quarter of soy sauce, bay leaf, peppercorn, touch of water. That's it. And then you let it steam for like half an hour. You know. It's so simple, and again, it depends on how how you want it. You can like simmer it until the chicken's cooked, and then taste it and adjust it. Um, and then you can do it my way. I really reduce the sauce, so it's like really nice, dry and sticky. Mm-hmm. Um, either or is delicious. So, and then just eat it with rice. Yeah, plain rice, a plain rice and fried egg. Ooh. Perfect. <laughs> a bit of chili on the side, you know. So that sounds so good. Yeah, I can give you a detailed recipe, like. But again, it's one of those dishes that you don't really need a recipe. Like some people fry the chicken and then add the vinegar and the soy, but some some people just put everything in a pot and simmer it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's basically like, yeah, do whatever uh, you can do whatever you want. No rules. Love it. And um, tell me about uh, champorado. Champorado. Champorado is like one of those dishes that are like for people weird, but like for Filipinos, they're heaven. It's like a, it's basically a porridge, but with chocolate in it, right? Um, it's a breakfast thing. So basically, cook some black rice, uh, cocoa, sugar, 
Um, and then what else you put in it? And you put like evaporated milk and condensed milk in it. So it's like a really rich kind of chocolatey sweet porridge. And then the twist is our Filipinos put like a dried fish on top. Yes. So it's like a weird combination, right? So it's like chocolate, sweet, like a desserty breakfast. And you put like fried the uh, anchovy, fried the fish. It's so good. Yeah. It's one I've, of my favorites, man. I've made it for myself, um, but I didn't have the fish. I just didn't yeah. happen to have some dried fish lying around. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved it because, you know, I love chocolate. I love porridge. And I. it's funny now that you say that, that you're t- talking through how to make it because when I made it, I was um, – it was the start of August and it was just yeah. as Victoria was going into the second lockdown and yeah. I hadn't really made that connection, but hopefully it won't always be associated for me with going into lockdown, <laughs> but uh, it's very comforting and it was it's a very, com- yeah. yeah, it was a comforting dish to eat when they were in that strange time. Um, yeah. I love it. Uh, okay. Tell us about one more dish, Ross, one more dish that um, really can connect us to this kind of food. So before that, if you, if you, if you have eaten it with dried fish, it's so different. It's yeah. So different. It's like eating chocolate with salt, you know? Yeah. I think I put salt on it to try to get a bit of saltiness, but of course it didn't have the same funk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. What would be another dish? Another dish in my head would be um, – my grandma's kalios was is another one is a really important one again it's connected to like kalios is spanish right so basically it's um one of those special dishes that is filipina spanish but like not a lot of filipinos can cook it just because it's a special thing it's like one of those dishes that are like um if it, if it was french it'd be like i don't know paten crut or oh okay fancy you know like a bit more fancy um so Kalyus is basically uh, tripe, and you can put some beef in there too, but traditionally it's tripe, cooked in tomato sauce, um, heaps, heaps of garlic, onion, olives, um, yellow, green, and red bell pepper, and what else is in there? That, 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 carrot. Yeah, so basically it's like you cook the tripe separately. When it's soft, you saute it with the tomato sauce and the olives and everything. And yeah, basically, it's like a really hearty, like, stew kind yeah. of uh, with tripe in it. And then you eat it with uh, steamed rice. So delicious. Well, it also sounds really comforting. And I guess yeah. it, it also brings brings up this idea that um, Filipino cuisine certainly uses the whole animal. There's there's no squeamishness about, you know, yeah. bits that Westerners might, um, you know, feel a little bit um, strange about eating. But you just love the whole animal. Oh, definitely. Like, there's a lot of cuisines that um, that it's awful. You know, there's a lot of awful in the Filipino cooking, like tripe, um, and then even liver. You can do adobo liver. It's one of my favorites. You can add chicken, and then liver as well. Um, yeah, basically, it's important to eat the whole animal over there. But over there, it's kind of like, because you know, when it's here, it's kind of like, oh, there's this thing about eating the whole animal, which is beautiful. But over there, sometimes they don't have a choice, you know, because you know you have to eat the whole animal because it's a waste. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, if you buy a whole pig, um, it's kind of a, you know, that people spend a bit of money, so they have to make sure that you kind of use the whole animal in that way, I guess, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a kind of respect that everyone everywhere should be showing to animals that we kill for food, I reckon. Yeah, definitely, but, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, Ross, well, it's uh, really great to have you on the show. And yeah. as as always, I learn something when I, I um, speak to you and I just wish you all the best for 2021. Thanks so much. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.